Hello, and welcome to Z Prime on the Grid, a podcast about issues concerning the energy industry. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me is Christine, head of research and content. Good to have you back, Christine. We missed you last week. Yeah, it was really sad that I missed the last podcast. Um, I mean, an opportunity to talk about ice cream and energy. How how often does that come along? Not very often. <laughs> I'm also sad that Aaron Hardick isn't going to be on this podcast because I, I really miss I'll, I'll miss her teasing me about how old I am. So uh, I expect you to really step up on this this one for for this podcast. Fair enough. Uh, yes. That silence you're noting is the, is the lack of Erin Hardick, our research analyst. She's off in San Francisco being a busy bee, but we'll be happy to have her come back and defend herself from all the jokes we'll be making at her expense this week. And on that note, I would like to transition to our guest who is here with us today. Joining us today, we have Dan Bradley, who is the Managing Director for Navigant Energy. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Dylan. Great to be here. Great to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Navigant? Sure, Dylan. So I've been with Navigant uh, a long time. Uh, you and Christine were opening with a couple of jokes on age, so we're, we're not even going to go there. But uh, I joined Navigant back during dot-com boom 1.0. And uh, when I think back on that, on that moment in time, uh, you know, the world was changing, the internet was changing everything, business models were changing, you had pets.com, you know, looking to go public at multi-billion dollar valuations. And uh, a lot of my friends teased me for going into the energy industry. They were uh, saying, you know, it's a dinosaur industry, old, old school. And fast forward, you know, 17, 18, 19 years later, uh, the energy industry today is really where it's at and we're experiencing a lot of those same disruptive forces that we were seeing in the telecommunication space back in the 1990s. Uh, so at Navigant, uh, I am a managing director in the utilities practice uh, in the energy practice of Navigant. And uh, you'll notice consultants use the word practice a lot, which usually means like the group or area or team that is working together to work on an industry or a specific topic. So for me, it's utilities, uh, electric utilities, more specifically. Dan, when we were discussing topics earlier in preparation for the show, you mentioned you're interested in innovative partnerships, which is a term that really kind of stood out to me. Now, obviously, partnerships are key to both running and expanding a business, but what makes for an innovative partnership? Is a partnership innovative by the types of businesses involved, or does it become innovative through a fostered relationship between partners? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you hear the word innovate and innovation thrown around a lot these days, and we see it in just about every industry. Within the electric utility industry, for example, an innovative partnership, the use of the word innovative, I think, means to underscore that at the core of the relationship between the partner firm and say the electric utility is a business model which separates that partnership from what may typically be the longer running relationship between a vendor and a buyer. And so the innovative means instead of just a company showing up at the door 
and having a long-term relationship with its customer uh, selling devices, selling software, uh, under a normal buyer-seller type of relationship, now all of a sudden you have two parties who have a business model and go to market together to deliver value to customers for cost savings, you know, for, for whatever they may be targeting. The innovative part really, I think, refers to the fact that it takes a lot of time and thinking to set a partnership up like that in the right way. Dan, I have a bit of a I have a bit of a newbie question here, uh, because of you know the way that we're talking about these kinds of relationships. I, I kind of need a more direct definition of these kinds of partnerships. In that, what is the key difference between a partnership and a sale? Like, if I need to update, you know, my CIS system, and you sell me the tools to do that, and also you come back every couple of months to help maintain the system. Is that a partnership or do we need to develop something together to have the kind of partnership, the kind of innovative partnership you're talking about? So let's, I'm going to try an analogy here. Um, see, see how this works. Let's say that, um, that the three of us uh, decide to reenact this with a lemonade stand. And uh, Christine, yourself, and Dylan are setting up your lemonade stand. You have all the equipment, you know, picked a nice spot by the side of the road. Uh, and you need a couple of lemons to, to squish down and mix with water and sugar and, and, and to sell in your lemonade stand. Now, you call me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the lemon guy, right? I, I can come and I can deliver a bushel of lemons to you. And you can use those for your, for, for your business. Thinking about this, in terms of a more of an innovative partnership, on a very simplistic level, comes down to a skin of the game, if you will. Maybe you desire, you, you find your, your customers desire, uh, you know, organic lemons, right? You say to me, oh, Dan, you know, we, we need organic lemons this time. And I say, okay, the price is going to be higher. And all of a sudden, we start to take a step back and think, well, what if I go into business with you in a way? I'm not going to join your business. But perhaps I can give you a break on organic lemons. You mix it in. You sell it for a higher price to your customers. Your customers have been asking for it. We figure out some way to split the revenues. And all of a sudden, we've switched from a relationship where I just stop by and sell you a couple of things all the time into one where I'm invested in the growth of your business. You're invested in the growth of my business. But at the end of the day, what we're delivering is something that customers are desiring. I think that's a really good analogy. Um, I wish it would have been around ice cream because I, I always want to have conversations around ice cream and energy now. Um, but <laughs> but I think that, um, I mean, you bring up a great point around, um, you know, the partnerships that are needed and, and really de developing innovative products and, and solutions. I, I mean, a question that comes up for me out of that is, you know, utilities and sort of the regulatory structures that they operate within. Um, traditionally, you know, some of those things can be a little bit more difficult, at least from what I've seen around um, some of these partnerships and, and really being able to develop those. I mean, how do you see that changing or, or do you really see the, the regulatory structure needing to change to make those sort of partnerships possible? Oh, that's a very good question, Christine, because that's where the lemonade stand analogy only goes so far. 
in the electric utility space, uh, you know, at the end at the end of the day, the electric utility has you know billions of dollars of assets deployed. Uh, you know, safety is number one. Reliability is number one. I, I like to think of the electric utility industry as, you know, one of those industries that separates, you know, our modern world in which we live and thrive in from, you know, complete anarchy, uh, you know, and and because of that, it's, it's, it's critically important. So a lot of the lemonade stand analogies can only go so far, uh, you know, re- regulation uh, has an important role in the electric utility industry. And, and it's changing, but you you think about you know how how you can push these changes, and really the one of the ways I you know that you can push these changes is is through the process of innovation and the process of of driving these partnerships. Now the partnerships at an electric utility level you know require a little bit more modeling, a little bit more thought, a little bit more conversation, uh, a little bit more time thinking through the nuances of all of this and how it interacts with the customer, a lot of things to think through. But at the end of the day, if you can come up with innovative partnerships and solutions that deliver value to customers, that being key, deliver value to customers, ultimately, I think you wind up with something that you can use to influence and push the thinking of the regulators to move the market forward. So switching gears a little bit, um, you joined the Rutgers Advisory Board on a design thinking grad program. So uh, we at Z Prime we're always interested in uh, design thinking, design in the energy space. Uh, where, now that we're coming into a new year, what do you hope to see uh, in a design thinking way in the energy field going forward? Because I know you really like innovation. So I. I joined the design thinking uh, school on their advisory committee because I, I have a passion around it. I have a passion around innovation and, and I see design thinking as, as a tool uh, to help individuals and industries and companies kind of better prepare themselves for disruption, focus on the customer and continue to deliver value to the customer. And there's a lot of tools out there that uh, and frameworks out there, as consultants like to to call them, to you know think about your strategy and to lay your strategy out. One of the ones that has been more powerful to me over time has been design thinking, particularly as you look to disruption. When you start from customer and comp- customer empathy as as the anchor point in in setting up a strategy or thinking through product or solution innovation, working back from that customer empathy and that customer value is, is a great starting point. It, it allows you to think creatively and kind of think outside of the constraints of the industry in which you work in. And, and because of that, it's a powerful tool and I, I wanted to learn more myself and continue to uh, push the concept of design thinking by joining up with Rutgers. We have a report that's going to be coming out, I believe, I believe next week, which when this podcast will co- comes out, it will actually be this week. Um, but I, th- that study is really interesting because it talks about um, design-based thinking and approaches to, uh, you know, customer emails and, and, and engagement that 
that utilities are having with their customers digitally. Where do you see the biggest opportunities for utilities and and the utility industry more broadly to really start to apply um, some of the design thinking techniques that are out there? Customer engagement, you know, may be the most obvious, but it's the one with the most potential. Um, you know, at, at Navigant, we have uh, we have developed and have been talking about this concept called the Energy Cloud now for for several years, and it's it's our version of the story of the energy transformation. And within the Energy Cloud and Energy Cloud strategies for utilities, one of those strategies is a strategy of new platforms. And yes, what is a platform? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a way to interact with customers, bring them new products and services. Platforms could be anything from a smart city platform to aggregation platform. That would be aggregation and control of, of load in different ways, uh, electric vehicles and mobility. Each one of these platforms, the core of the platform is a customer acquisition and enrollment. And customer acquisition and enrollment into a platform where you're you know, interacting through an app or you're participating in a service is, is not easy. You know, that customer acquisition, that customer adoption of technologies is usually where a lot of technologies have you know, the most trouble. And with the electric utility industry, utilities in general, a design thinking application in a platform sense may in, improve the ability to get customers in, to engage them, to deliver value to them, and to deliver new and different experiences that w- they would not expect say, from their electric utility. I feel like utilities are starting to get more comfortable with you know, starting to accept these these newer technologies and, and new concepts. Um, I think I get frustrated sometimes hearing people talk about, um, you know, the utility industry being being slow moving or being slow to innovate when utilities have all these different factors that that influence the decisions that they have to make. Like Dan mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, reliability, safety, those those are those top priorities. You know, there's a regulatory environment that um, most utilities are sitting in that they have to, you know, play within a, a certain sandbox and 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 operate in a particular way but i mean i've been really impressed with how utilities are starting to you know bring in these different technologies bring in these different mindsets and and really start to move them forward so yeah i mean i can definitely see that that growth starting to pick up in terms of of innovation and change and i feel like you know it, it's been happening for a while and it's it's going to continue to to pick up for sure Christine, great points uh, and, and and I agree with you. I I I think sometimes the uh, the industry in general does not get the credit they deserve for innovation because it may feel, uh, you know, from an outside perspective looking in that things are are moving slowly or perhaps they're not innovating. But utilities are are all you know all, all the utilities that I, I work with and come across. I mean, within these organizations, they are really thinking about customers. They are really thinking about business models. And we're in a period of a lot of change. And they have a, you know, the utilities have a kind of a, you know, a dual strategy going forward where one is maintain safety, maintain reliability, maintain service to customers. 
yet at the same time, you know, these are gi- gigantic companies with, with lots of assets deployed, and, and they have to innovate too. And uh, in some ways, uh, one is what's called uh, non-wire solutions or non-wire alternative, where you can deploy resources uh, through partnerships, as we were just talking, in lieu of investing in grid infrastructure to maintain reliability in, in, in areas of the grid. Just a couple of years ago, yeah, certain utilities were doing this. And, uh, and in the last year or two, I've seen just so much of this come into the industry and move so fast from kind of this new way of looking at system planning and maintaining reliability to in some cases it being very much engineered into the utility process, so much so that you almost forget two, three years ago, highly innovative today, matter of course. So as we see these technologies and these business models you know, changing and as they kind of sift their way through the utility and, and kind of line up with that customer value with a, with a business model, things in some cases can happen more rapidly than you would otherwise think. Yeah, I mean, I think I've just, I've I've been really, I, I mean, not surprised. I mean, I think after, you know, talking with utilities for for over a decade now, just to see um, the, you know, how people have, have embraced technology and, and, and really have started to, you know, change their organizations to to be able to, to better adopt it. Um, you know, I think that that all still falls within the realm of, of the utility and, and its organization. And, you know, where I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there and continuing to build that innovation within the organizations where I'm starting to see, you know, more challenges are, you know, utilities as they relate to um, something like a smart city where utilities are now starting to have to kind of come out of, you know, their, their focus on, okay, you know, delivering reliable, safe electricity to, okay, well, how am I interacting more with, with transportation? You know, how am I interacting with um, the municipality, telecommunications, you know, all these different stakeholder groups, you know, how do they start to come together? Um, and another area where seeing some change in that is, I mean, I think what we've been talking about here is just the, you know, the relationship with the customer and the relationship with third party, you know, energy solution providers, you know, what is that relationship look like. So I, I see a lot of challenge for utilities going forward is just, you know, sorting out those, I guess, those partnerships with these external groups, you know, and really kind of making these these bigger visions around, um, you know, smarter, more sustainable communities. You know, how do utilities really participate in that and help move it forward? You know, I, I very much agree that that these new challenges that the energy industry faces that they've never had to face before are I mean they're a good opportunity for businesses for startups for people to kind of to borrow a Z prime phrase change the status quo you know it doesn't have to be a utility up and deciding to do things one day it can be this all these sort of interlocking factors like a customer wants a better app so you hire you the utility needs to hire someone to make a better app and then someone's now that now they've made the better app and they decided to integrate this kind of AI AI pattern that will allow people to get uh get live get all these live updates and suddenly you know that's an innovation and then that allows people to grow that allows businesses to grow and create new industry standards 
and then that sprouts that sprouts up other things. So I think right now, uh, and this is just based on my observation over the past over the past year and a half that I've been in the energy industry, but it does seem like there are a lot of people with new ideas that are eager to start making these kinds of partnerships we're talking about because there are all new problems which require all new solutions and all new in an all new industry. I I think what's interesting there and and it, this is where I I think programs like RevConnect are, are so valuable is that like you mentioned Dylan I mean you have startups with you know completely different ideas of how things can be done and you have utilities that have you know been ho- operating in many cases for 100 years you know having to deliver these these certain standards. Um, and there's, you know, there's a big disconnect there, I think, b- between a lot of organizations and, you know, how do we kind of overcome, you know, our differences in, in perspective and and really understand what the energy industry needs, um, you know, to, to be able to change things and to be able to move forward. And that's where I found RevConnect really fascinating is just that ability to, um, you know, start that conversation, like, like you mentioned earlier, Dan, you know, really starting to, you know, bring utilities, you know, bring regulators, bring, you know, startups and, and technology providers together to have that conversation around how do we, how do we change this? Because everyone I feel like is coming from, you know, a, a potentially a very different perspective and, and those start to have, those are going to have to start to align um, you know, to really drive some of this significant transformation that we're talking about. And for cities, you know, and utilities, you know, for major companies, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it's an opening up, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of learning just to understand how to enter into a partnership. There's a lot of the trust and processes that have to go into that. And it's very different than, you know, say a business as usual where everything is controlled under, one roof, so to speak. But in doing so, what you're doing is is you're you're you know placing you know potentially small bets on the future, and allowing some experimentation, uh, maybe small, maybe big, with different ways of potentially delivering value to customers. You know, understanding new value streams, new revenue streams, uh, and just a continuous process of learning. I think you, you see the companies that begin to to do this and begin to open up, and I I think we're going to see it more and more in the utility space as as this happens. You're going to see a lot of learning, and and as that learning goes on and gets shown through the industry, you know more and more I think you're going to begin to see opportunities, Dylan, for some of the companies that that you're referring to, some you know startups, be it startups or smaller size companies, to begin to be able to puzzle together, you know, what what do utility customers need? What do utility customers really want? What do utilities themselves need in delivering value to the business? And uh, you look around at what's being put out there today. Christine, I think you mentioned, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality. There is a lot of potential to have some pretty interesting, innovative, different ways of, of, of looking at just about everything you can imagine and opening company up to that and uh, enabling that without a major investment in hiring and building out internally, you know, it's a big leg up. And the cool thing about, you know, the energy industry is that 
and I might be wrong when I say this, but due to the due to the innate structure of how how utility works, they're poised more than other businesses, other than other large sort of tech focused industries to absorb absorb the cost of of a bad idea, dispose of it, and try something else. Right? It all depends. <laughs> Fair enough. Depends on how expensive that bad idea was. <laughs> I think utilities also have a certain, you know, duty to the public. Um, you know, they're investing in in a lot of infrastructure. Um, a company like Google, I mean, you know, they're they, they're able to invest in a lot of a lot of different things, and you know, not necessarily have the same, I guess, accountability that that utilities have because you know most utilities, I mean, they 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 are provided essentially that monopoly, but you know, they have to be accountable. To consumers and and really spend money responsibly and in a prudent way, um, so that, that's definitely something that that you know utilities have to have to work with, and that's something that we've talked a lot. I think at at, at ETS and Z Prime is okay. You know well, how how do utilities you know get how do they accept that that failure? And when I talk about failure, it's not you know, the massive failure of, of the electrical grid that puts millions of people out of power, you know, how do you have that, that mentality of, okay, you know, we're going to test something and, you know, see if it works and, and do that incremental innovation um, that, that I think a lot of utilities still, you know, are working on how do we, how do we make that within the, the organizations that we have and, and the, the structure that we have to operate within. Uh, okay. So that's a different, that's a different direction than I thought. So what you're saying then is that, that that's kind of an interesting dilemma then, because we're talking about how, well, of course, utilities need to innovate, they need to invest, they need to find, they need to find good partners. But we're rolling our eyes when people say that the energy industry is slow to move. But you're, you're right with the accountability piece, because of all of the people that a utility is accountable to all the different agencies and groups and of course their consumers that they have to deal with how do how do we make sure that that the innovations are happening fa- happening fast enough but we're not putting everything we're not putting everything in unnecessary risk yeah and i mean and there's a question too that I, that i've seen of you know who does who does the innovation i mean do you, I mean, I, I think like we've talked about on this on this podcast, you know, there are the op- opportunities for partnerships, but you know, sometimes people say, "Hey, you know, it's it's the technology companies. You know, they should be innovating. They're the ones that are absorbing this failure, and then you know, really try to bring um, those products to to utilities when they've already been vetted and and tested and and you know, they feel more confident about it. But I think we've seen with the, the pace of technology and what's happening, you know, there, there's always going to be some risk, right? And, and failure that happens. Um, and, you know, if utilities and, and technology companies are able to work together on that, um, you know, there's an opportunity to, to really be able to move ahead um, much faster and, and, and really have that, that true partnership take place. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a much more, I think, complex situation for utilities than, than a lot of other companies out there. I would agree with you, Christine. Uh, you know, in a, you know, in a, in a traditional, you know, buyer-seller arrangement with a vendor, you know, a utility can mitigate its risk and, and put in all sorts of, 
protections that, that you know, protect its, its customers from, you know, um, absorbing too much cost or, or for, 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 whatever, for whatever they're trying to, to, to protect for, they can, you know, put that in contractually. Uh, they can select that vendor through, you know, a competitive process like a request for proposals or a fee process. Uh, and in doing so, they, they establish a track record, which they can put before the regulator of their due diligence, of, you know, the risk mitigation, of the competitive process that they went through. When you move into the world of innovation, you know, innovation is, is kind of messy. Um, you know, when you start out to innovate, you have an idea and you push that idea forward. And at some point you turn around and look over your shoulder and you say, gosh, remember when we had this idea, look at what we're doing now. It's kind of completely different. You've pivoted two or three times. You know, it, it, you know that, that type of messiness and in innovation and learning as you go, uh, to your point, you know, really takes a, a, a cultural change within an organization to accept failure. And I agree with you, failure, not meaning grid failure, not meaning, you know, failure in the sense of safety or reliability. It's just simply the ability to try something new in a different way within all of the uh, industry pieces, be it regulation, be it, you know, your department, be it the culture of the organization, be it the way things have been done, the status quo. All of those pieces come into play, and it makes the process, you know, incredibly challenging. But it doesn't mean that that it should it should scare the utilities away or scare people away. You know, it's regulators, utilities need to adopt this. They need to adopt it more and open it up. And you can do it gradually. You could do it suddenly. You can do it all sorts of different ways. But you know, it's 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 something that does need to change. Otherwise. You know, you, you, you put the organization at risk in different ways by putting yourself at risk to losing customers, to um, changes in regulation that you're not prepared for. An area which is perhaps quite open in some cases and, and relatively open to innovation in an electric utility just today is in the design and rollout of different programs. And that is an area, as you see, Utilities begin to hire chief customer uh, uh, chief customer officers, like we've seen at CPS and Duke and other utilities. But in the programmatic sense, where you're looking to deliver a new program, maybe it's a bring your own device thermostat program or an energy storage program, whatever it may be, it's an area to innovate and experiment with. Uh, with customer, with your customers, uh, be it residential customers, be it CNI customers, uh, to test out and and understand different ways of engaging and get that feedback that can feed into you know more impactful uh, innovation, more impactful programs going forward. Yeah, I definitely have seen the the customer side of it all and and the programs there. Uh, be an opportunity for utilities to to really innovate. And I think it's been interesting to see some of those programs and conversations. So, you know, things around smart thermostats or electric vehicles or, you know, solar panels on, on customers' roofs. Um, what I've seen is that, you know, those start to build momentum and then it also starts to bring in the conversation, you know, around, okay, the larger grid, right? Um, 
you know, these, these devices are starting to have an impact. Well, what does that mean for our grid and the, the infrastructure there? You know, how are we going to adapt to that? And I think that's, that's helping to push utilities to think a little bit differently about, okay, well, you know, how do we a- approach our traditional operation of the grid, um, the way we manage assets, the way we view assets. So, um, yeah, I can definitely see that that customer piece being big. And I feel like it also is starting to have this spillover effect into other parts of utilities. They really are having to explore, um, you know, how, how they might have to approach things differently. Uh, just one more thing before we wrap up. Um, I saw on the internet, which has never been wrong, that that you that you yourself have come up with a new uh very portable solar storage system that fits on a desk how soon will we be seeing this implemented in homes nationwide uh, Joe, uh, i think you're referring to a photo i posted on linkedin of uh, my my now new home iphone charging device which is a a combination of a, a solar panel and a battery. Uh, it, it works pretty well, uh, and I, I just got such a kick out of it when I, you know, set the thing up and and plugged it in, and the phone, you know, it was working. Everything's working. I, I I got so excited, I snapped the picture and put it on LinkedIn. And it, it's just interesting to see uh, how many shares, how many likes, how many comments. Uh, it's just been really fun to watch that simple picture. Uh, go viral. But it's gotten me to think of different ways in which really tiny things can potentially make changes. Now, I'm not saying everyone's going to be running around with this solar plus storage device that is two or three times larger than a cell phone. But if there was some way to to put those out more broadly and monetize them in different ways, perhaps you could see an Apple or a company like that, you know, offering some credits to buyers who are using these systems to charge their phones without using, you know, power from the grid, who knows where, where, where this could take us. My favorite part about asking the silly questions at the end is when the guest manages to turn that back into the theme. It's a, I, genuinely my favorite part of doing these. Um, are you planning on selling that power back to the, to the grid, Dan? So there has been uh, about 25 or more different snarky comments on LinkedIn about that. (laughs) Uh, Are you going to sell the power back to the grid? Uh, You know, how does it work at night? You know, all sorts of funny things. And uh, I just have to laugh because I I leave it in my my window sill. It charges up. I plug the phone in. It charges the phone. I unplug the phone, use the phone, plug it back in, charge it. Never even really think about it. Well, if I could monetize a little bit of that in in in, in ERCOT and get a couple of pennies a year, well, may, maybe that's worth experimenting with. Well, I, I really like your point, Dan, around you know just the the impact of small things, right? Um, you know, I mean, sharing it on on LinkedIn and the feedback you get from that, but also, I mean, you know, the the small things on the grid. I mean, I think that. You know, we've seen over the past couple of years just the influence of these of these small devices, of these small storage systems, um, and how those can really add up to to be something big for the for the grid and what's next. So, um, yeah, I, I, I saw that and I I really wanted to to get one. I'm 
you, I, I probably need to buy one. <laughs> go, uh, go to, here's what you do. You, you, it'll blow your mind. You go to Alibaba and, and you do a search for, you know, DIY solar or portable solar. And there's like thousands and thousands of products out there that you can order. It is mind blowing. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Nice Alibaba plug there. Uh, sp- sponsor us, Alibaba. We're, we we could always use the money. We will never mention Amazon again on the podcast if you do. Now, I was also Boston. looking at Dan's um, LinkedIn posts, and, and I did see one conversation you were having with Drew Johnston um, about Spotify, and you were mentioning your Spotify plan and how you have a family plan. And so I've I've never been able to bring myself to pay for Spotify. So I wanted to see if you had any extra room on your plan for me to join. Christine, I'm sorry to say my my plan is fully sold out, fully subscribed. Ah, man, okay. I, I, have five, I've, I think you, you get five people, and I've given it out. And one of the four I noticed never never signed in. So boop, that was it. You know, this this holiday season, I allotted that one to to another family member. Who, who now uses it all the time. <sighs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep checking back in to see if a slot opens up. If anyone up. drops out, you're first on the list. Okay. Okay. I'm on the waiting list now. <laughs> and on that disappointing note, we'll have to leave it there. Um, I'd like to thank Dan Bradley for coming on the podcast. Good to have you, Dan. Thanks for having me on, Christine and Dylan. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It was our pleasure to have you. I'd also like to thank my co-host, Christine. Thanks for being here, Christine. Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, it was, it was great to be here. I, I missed Aaron Hardick, but, but you, you did a pretty good job. Thanks. Oh, wait, uh, your old Christine. Got him. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to have Aaron back uh, next time, hopefully. We're going to be at Distribute Tech in San Antonio. Uh, the week of the 25th, we're all, we're all going to be there. We're going to be doing some podcast recording there. So if you see us, you can absolutely come say hi. Will you be signing autographs, Dylan? I, I was going to say I was going to say we'll we'll sign some stuff if if you want us to. I don't know if it'll actually be worth anything, but it will make us feel good. You can find us on social media at dy lockwood, at hc richards, and at aaron underscore hardick. If you want to check out our research, you can go to etsinsights.com. You can check out our upcoming event, ETS18, at ets18.co. That's ets18.co. You can still register if you want to If you want to show up and say hi there. Dan, are you going to be at ETS? I'm going to be at ETS uh, with a number of my colleagues. And uh, Navigant is a sponsor of ETS18, and we're really excited for it. All right. So thanks for listening. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.